This Epiphany Sunday, we'll hear a reading from the Old Testament book of the prophet Micah, the opening four verses in the fifth chapter, where the prophet foretells of the days subsequent to the birth of the Messiah when the Gentiles would come and meet the Savior of the world. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Now gather yourself in troop, O daughter of troops. He has laid siege against us. They will strike the judge of Israel with a rod on the cheek. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time that she who is in labor has given birth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide for now. He shall be great to the ends of the earth. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Our New Testament reading for this morning is of the opening 11 verses from the gospel of Matthew's second chapter. Again, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him and calling together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for this child, and when you found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there, ahead of them, went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Here ends this reading. From God's holy word. 
As I mentioned, today is the Sunday that the church celebrates Epiphany. Uh, several days ago now, I happened to mention this to someone, and it turned out that they were not familiar with the term, what's Epiphany? Uh, simply, I told them, a fancy word for the manifestation of the Messiah to the Gentiles. While we were at the in-laws uh, last week, the 24-hour cable news channel was on 24 hours a day. Now, I'm not one to have the TV on ordinarily unless it's for a hockey game. So I tried to tune it out best I could, but my ears did perk up when I heard one of their presenters use the term Three Kings Day when talking up some event that they were promoting that was taking place this weekend in New York City. And while I appreciated the overt Christian calendar reference, it got me to thinking that I very much prefer the label Epiphany for this day, even when I have to explain to people what it refers to. Well, part of the reason is that Epiphany describes the act, and therefore it focuses less on the actors, the, the three wise kings, three wise men, the three magi. And, and this is, I believe, the, the more important aspect of the event is the what and not the who other than Jesus, of course. Well, traditionally, this day marked the arrival of that trio and their entourage of untold number who had traveled afar, finally reaching their destination. Actually, they overshot their destination by a little, going first to Jerusalem before turning around and winding up there where they were supposed to be. If they had brought women with them, they wouldn't have had that problem. Uh, but eventually, here they were, alongside the Messiah and the Holy Family. There they beheld that to which the celestial sign had been pointing. These magi had traveled to be in the presence of the one born to be king of the Jews. And they were from nations who were worshiping different gods. And yet, God thought that it was so important that his son be introduced to representatives of the nations that he organized and prioritized this encounter. We don't know exactly how old Jesus was when this took place, but we do know that he was still quite young. It was early on in his life. These three were, if not the first, they were among the first non-Hebrews to have an audience with the king. And after they left him with the treasures which they had brought him as tribute, having humbled themselves and paid homage to the babe, they returned to their homelands, there 
to tell stories about what they had seen. And what they had seen was a little child in a little hovel in a little town. Hardly the stuff of heroic sagas. I can remember one of my seminary professors talking to us about the validity of the biblical texts. Beyond a simple matter of faith, he explained, from a a textual analysis perspective, if you were trying to argue for the truth of the text, regardless of the nature of the writings, one of the markers that would lend credence to the authenticity of the events being described is that they are not what was to be expected. In other words, if the fable made the hero out to be Superman, then it's more likely it was just that, a fable. People write and they read fiction because it's larger than life. Yet the Gospels begin with a baby born in circumstances exactly the opposite of a royal figure. Who would invent a character any meeker and milder than this? And why bother? So here he is, as the wise men discover, hidden in plain sight for those who have eyes to see. And perhaps, perhaps he remains there today. In the days about which we read in this morning's gospel text, the incarnate God was in residence in Bethlehem of Ephrathah in fulfillment of the prophecy recorded in the Old Testament book of Micah. As the chapters in Matthew unfold, Jesus moves about the region as his ministry required it of him. He went from place to place to place, and as he traveled, he continued to show a knack for surprising many folks with his presence and his true identity. Many more who encountered him, sadly, were unmoved, unchanged by the encounters that they would have with him. They failed to have an epiphany of their own, even when they were face to face with God in the flesh. Perhaps they just weren't ready to receive a Messiah who was so different from the Savior they wanted him to be. Too bad for them, we may think, as we wag our heads at their ignorance and short-sightedness, chapter after chapter in the gospel accounts. But I worry that it may be too bad for us if we miss out on it as well. What I mean is epiphanies are revelations, in this case, of God. And they are not confined to a single day, nor to a particular location. Not solely did people encounter Jesus and have transformative experiences as a result in the Holy Land at the start of the first century. Such encounters 
experiences and epiphanies have continued to occur as a result of the enduring word of God. Wise men still seek him, the bumper sticker says, and that is very true. And he is to be found on page after page after page in this book right here. The book that is all about God. One look no further than the Bible for an entire book full of self-revelation on the part of the living God. A book that begins with a chapter meaning beginning and ends with one that means epiphany. And dayenu, it would have been sufficient if this were all that we had, but no, wait, there's more. For Jesus has fulfilled the promise that he gave to his disciples at the time of his departure that he would return. So as he leaves them to go to sit at the right hand of the Father, he sends them, he sends us, his spirit, to continue to abide with us that we might also have encounters with the Holy like the wise men had, if we are wise enough to apprehend such an epiphany. But that, that might require us to suspend some of our own preconceived notions of what or who God is and where we might possibly find him. Here are a a couple of short lessons from my experience. I was visiting my dad for his 88th birthday celebration, which he had at his favorite watering hole, as he liked to call it. At tables and at the bar were an assortment of a motley crew. There were bikers and veterans and probably more than a few folks, the Pharisees would have chided Jesus about associating with. And through the crowd, a woman I would describe as road-weary came up to me at the bar and said, Your dad says you're a preacher. And I said, He did, huh? Yeah, okay. And with tears welling in her eyes, she said, I need a blessing. Give me a blessing. Right here, right now, she was ready for an encounter with the Holy. She was open to an epiphany. Was I? And then just the other day, on our way back from the Smokies, we stopped for the, we stopped for the night in Williamsburg, Colonial Williamsburg where the girls went ice skating. And we stayed at a $56 a night plus tax hotel because, well, we only needed a place to sleep and that's what you do as a family traveling on a budget. Well, many of the rooms at this hotel were unoccupied as they were doing extensive maintenance and renovation. The one other car in the parking lot when we checked in was a white 
BMW with New York State plates. When walking down the hall toward the elevator, I could clearly hear a loud woman's voice from one of the rooms. She was on the phone grumbling about her accommodations. As I waited for the elevator to arrive, I heard her complain that she had thought this was the resort hotel of the chain and not the one 10 minutes away. And then she proceeded to rattle off a number of grievances about the place before the elevator doors closed and mercifully cut her off. But it also got me to thinking that it, it isn't just her. There have been times and places where I found myself put out about my circumstances, so wrapped up in me that that's all I cared about. But what if the front desk clerk or the night manager or Carl, the maintenance man from the first floor, or someone from the housekeeping staff had been given a word for this woman that she didn't hear because she was in too much of a hurry to leave for greener pastures that were more fitting with her station in life. My church is filled with fresh flowers. It has cushy velvet covered pews and big, beautiful stained glass windows. It has a, oh, an antique pipe organ and a child care center. And we just completed construction on our multi-million dollar family life center where the younger crowd can worship with a loud band. It, it is here on those Sundays when I don't have something else to do. It is here where I might have an epiphany, a revelation of the holy. It is here in this safe, well thought out, orchestrated and managed venue. It is here where that might happen. And not to say, not to say that an epiphany cannot happen in a sanctuary on a Sunday morning. Trust me, I know that it can. But if this is the only place that we allow space for such a revelation to take place, well, then we might just be missing out. My point is that ever since the beginning of God's story of his unlikely, unprecedented, unbelievable habitation of the earth, that which he created, he has appeared to folks in unusual places and unusual circumstances. So why should we expect the immutable divine nature to have changed? So then, I would invite us all in 2024 to continue to seek the Lord both in self-revelation, that is his word, and in the manifesting of his Holy Spirit. And it is there in potentially unexpected and even uncomfortable circumstances where we might otherwise miss it, that epiphanies may occur for those with eyes and minds and hearts that are humble and, yes, wise enough to behold them, to behold him. And for that we may truly say, thanks be to God, and amen.